Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pop Culture University. The university where you can learn everything that is going on in the world of pop culture and see what life lessons you can get from it for your own life. Inspirational, educational, what can make it better? Oh, yeah, having the sexiest podcast host in North America. I heard Kim Jong-un has a podcast in North Korea, and he's pretty hot. So he has me beat worldwide. But in North America, I am the hottest. I am Patty Eminger. You may know me as Patty Pop Culture from TikTok. If it is your first time listening to this podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Take a seat wherever you would like in the classroom. Everyone is welcome, even the furries, especially the furries. If it is not your first time here, thank you so much for coming back. I love you. I stand you. I'm in your fandom. You guys, I had such a crazy weekend. There was so much crazy tea that happened in the celebrity world. We needed to get into all of it. Like Taylor Swift starting her Eras tour and the very passionate and strong reviews that critics and fans are having. Was it good? Was it bad? Did she make up the trauma she made everyone go to through attend the show? Then we're going to talk about Amanda Bynes having as bad of a breakdown almost as she did about a decade ago when she was wearing those crazy wigs going to jail we're gonna do some updates on kendall jenner bad bunny and why bad bunny is like fighting for kendall jenner and making himself kind of look crazy for kendall jenner which is crazy in itself other couples like sean mendez sabrina carpenter tyga avril and we're gonna talk about why i got escorted out of a bar this weekend because as we all know me and bars don't really mix well but before we get into all of the tea, come on, so much tea today, rate this podcast five star on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a cute little review, screenshot yourself listening to it, post it to your Instagram story and tag me, I will hit you up, we can be besties. Um, Tuesday, Friday class, never forget, tell everyone about it, attendance is mandatory, tell your therapist in between crying to her about anything um just make sure you tell everyone okay and without further ado welcome to pop culture university take your seats class face the front classes in session what if i told you none of it was accidental and the first night that you saw me nothing was gonna stop me i laid the groundwork and then just like clockwork the dominoes cascaded in a line what if i told you i'm a mastermind Taylor Swift kicked off her highly anticipated Eras tour Friday, March 17th, and ooh, the world moved. Something shifted. It was very powerful. She had a lot to make up for. That is for damn sure. She put thousands of Karens and teenage 20-year-old girls, 30-year-old girls, basically anyone who isn't an evil straight man who traumatizes other human beings and then needs to listen to songs about it. Anyone who isn't an evil straight man was traumatized trying to get tickets to this damn show. As Taylor said, it kind of felt like you went through multiple bear attacks by the cocaine bear itself. Maybe even worse than the cocaine bear. Maybe the meth heroin bear is what you had to go through to get to this tour. And millions and millions and millions of people were left without a ticket. Millions and millions of people, including myself, felt like they were overcharged, gypped, kind of like take advantage of in a way by the chaos of the situation that put buyers in a position to just spend way more money than they maybe should have on this tour. And she was making people buy VIP tickets who didn't really need one like myself. I spent 300 extra dollars on my ticket for quote unquote VIP access, even though all it comes with is a tote bag, a sticker and early entry into the arena. Not that that's important because I literally have a seat so I, I, it's not like I need to be there early to go to the pit or anything. It just did not seem worth it at all, especially if every single seat was VIP. She had a lot to making up to do. She was in hot motherfucking water. But did she live up to it? So she opened the tour in Swift City, Arizona. Yeah, you heard me. Swift City. Glendale, Arizona changed its name legally for two days to Swift City. A lot of these wives out here these days will not even change their name for their husband. And a whole damn city is doing it on behalf of Taylor Swift because she's the queen and she's coming to open her tour there. You better. 
And it didn't escape me that Arizona could potentially be spelled E-R-A-Zona instead of A-R-I-Zona. Seems like Taylor Swift is a mastermind. She's always one step ahead. She's always outsmarting us. Even where she's going to start her tour, Swift City, Arizona. This is her world and we're just living in it. But let me tell you, you guys, she proved that she's the greatest pop star of our time. She is the greatest musical artist of our lives. That is what she proved with this tour. It is being called by critics, and I quote, the most incredible spectacle ever conceived in the history of a stadium. That is quite the damn review. Absolutely. I would say her tour beat out every single Super Bowl performance because when I think stadium, I think football, the Super Bowl. This was the Taylor Swift Super Bowl that the Super Bowl could never give her justice to do. Taylor said no to the Super Bowl because she doesn't need them. They need her. She needs stadiums twice the size as the goddamn Super Bowl does. Let's just be motherfucking honest. And this is what that show was, showing that she is the most powerful woman on this earth. I would even go so far to say that even more than Beyonce, even more than Bad Bunny, whoever, a fucking Ed Sheeran, God, that leprechaun looking man who is probably having a blast on St. Patrick's Day. She is, I think, a bigger touring, selling, just bigger artist than all of them combined. I know that's controversial to say more than Beyonce, but I really do think the power of the Swift Army and Taylor Nation is bigger than the Beehive. I know someone should really do a scientific study. Like Harvard should sit down and figure out which fan base is bigger, but I think it's the Swifties. And let's just get into the reviews of the tour because not only was it a grand spectacle with record-breaking attendance, but it got 100 out of 100 reviews from every single news outlet or critic that decided to review it. I'm talking about The Guardian, Times, Telegraph, Independent, 100 out of 100 for all of it. So wild, right? And I think what made it so great was the love and care and effort Taylor put in specifically for her fans. This was fan service. This was a Swifty's dream, a present with a bow on top of it that she handed to the Swift fans because she knows she needs to say sorry to them and say thank you for supporting her. Do you know another way Taylor Swift said thank you to them for spending so much on this concert and sorry for not having your kidney anymore? She performed for three hours and 15 minutes. That is unheard of. Me and my friend were talking the night before the tour was going to start. You know, we're Swifties. We were shooting the shit with each other, getting each other hyped. And we were saying, I don't think she's going to perform for more than two hours. No artist really has to do that. Like the golden standard in the industry is 90 minutes for a concert. You give your all for that 90 minutes, make the fans go wild, and then you leave. It's quite a short night. So the fact that Taylor did double that was mind-blowing. I thought at most she would do two hours, maybe like an hour 45. She blew all expectations for what it means to host a show and just shattered the roof with anything anyone could have hoped with that time limit. Also, she did 44 songs. Your fave doesn't even have 44 songs. And yet... There still were songs that people wish she performed. She still had many hits left unsung. Unsung heroes, literally, that she just did not have time for because she's that iconic. And the fact that she's only 33, wild. Not only did she do 44 songs, but there were no mashups. None. I thought we were going to get, best case scenario, two hours of a bunch of mashups so maybe she can fit 35 songs in but only half of each no she even did a 10 minute song all too well taylor's version like she's working harder than the devil out there insane hardest working woman in america right here i think a part of the length and set list was because of the great war that fans had to go through and the money that they had to spend because i'll be honest with you I was slightly upset and felt really gypped by the Ticketmaster experience. I was, for a long time, even I would say on this podcast, I felt regretful for spending $1,000. I wasn't even too happy with my seat. I felt like I was just completely taken advantage of, and I didn't want to go anymore. But 
since she performed twice as long as normal artists do and put so much budget and thought to the show, it makes perfect sense that she should charge double. And I feel like the prices are almost justified because if I was paying 950 for an hour and a half, I probably wouldn't want the ticket anymore. But since I'm paying 950 for three plus hours, oh my God, of course, that sounds like a dream of mine. Of course I want to go. And I kind of have survivor's guilt for people who did not get a ticket because this whole weekend people have been sharing their clips of all these amazing things she's doing, like diving into the stage and swimming underneath it and doing dances that everyone was hoping she would do and saying things like all these amazing fan experiences that they get to share with her live. I feel awful for people who don't get to do that and it truly breaks my heart it makes me so upset because i can feel your pain of maybe not going to my favorite artist tour and looking back and knowing there's really nothing you can do just because of circumstances and now the only seats you can buy are for one thousand dollars that are all the way in the back horrible seats so i genuinely am so sorry if you did not get one and i hope to god you get one soon or for the next tour It's so wild to me that people were openly telling everyone that they went two nights. In my head, I was like, what selfish little, like, they they look dumb saying that. Why are you going two nights if people can't even get one ticket? Odd behavior to me. I was like, oh, girl, you look so tone deaf posting. I went two nights and experienced this twice. And it was the same thing both nights. Like, read the room, babe. Read the motherfucking room. Uh, And yes, I am still going with my two friends. We made up. I will not have to take anyone to small claims court or anything to get my $1,000 Taylor Swift ticket back. And yeah, I'm very happy that we made up and I'm going to go with them. Also on this tour, Taylor Swift did 16 different outfit changes. I mean, come the fuck on, fashionista. Fuck New York Fashion Week. Fuck the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. The Eras Tour is the hottest runway this season, babe. 16 different looks. And she had custom Louboutins for all these different looks. Custom red bottoms. Bloody shoes, she said. She said, I'm stomping on the blood of all my enemies that I'm singing about on this tour with my bloody shoes. And custom Versace outfits, all of them. Legend, legend, legend. And she'll go from singing folklore songs, dressing like a mountain biking vampire, which old maid from the past to then giving us pussycat dolls she's singing vigilante shit and giving us a, a lucky metal chair a lap dance what i would give to be that metal chair joe alwyn can't fight all of us you guys what if we just made him disappear one day and taylor swift has to choose someone else but yeah for the record this tour broke records she already has the highest grossing tour this year and it's not even done yet it is going to gross now between $600 million and $700 million. That is the final estimate. Bat shit crazy. She said in like on one night of her tour, she's going to make what we get in 10 years and two days. If we're lucky. She said, I get what you get in 10 years and two days on one night of her damn tour. Of course, not all that is going to her, but a mass majority of that, like she'll get the biggest cut. And her net worth right now is $800 million. She's definitely going to be a billionaire after this. And I think she knows that she was really... She had to work for that money. She couldn't just give a lackluster show and then have people being okay with the fact that she is a billionaire. She knows she has to let them know. She works. She's breaking a sweat. She's putting some elbow grease into this. And she wants to let us know that even though she's a billionaire, she can do some physical labor as well to look like she's just one of the rest of us. The attendance, 70,000 on the first night. That broke Madonna's previous record for having the most um, mortals at your show (laughs) on any night. So Taylor Swift is now first in the game at something else. Good for her. Oh, yeah. And the old record for grossing of a tour was held by reputation. Her competition is really only herself, which is so fucking true. Kanye could never compete, ever. Katy Perry could never compete. Who's Katy Perry? Literally, who is Katy Perry? I don't remember, but they could never compete. Last thing I want to say about Taylor Swift is that she is so wild for still being so humble and so relatable. When she's on that stage just talking to her fans, it feels like she's just talking to other friends, like her peers. 
she talks to her fans like she is out with the girls at brunch and can totally relate to them. And it's so refreshing to see because a lot of these other celebrities put on this display of maybe like like mysteriousness and maybe a little bit more opulent or grandiose. Like they're not going to let us into their lives because they need to promote the image of I am of higher status. I'm this exclusive uh, person that you'll only see if you buy a ticket, blah, blah, blah. But Taylor Swift doesn't feel the need to do that. She walks in the room like the girl next door. And it's really impressive. Imagine performing for 70,000 people every night and not becoming a narcissist. That would go directly to my head. I'd be like, where's the keys to heaven? Because I am literally God. And so the fact that she can just get all that love and adoration and that validation by literally everyone in the world yet she's still so normal like i would want to go out for lunch with taylor swift and i wouldn't even feel anxious about it if i had to go out for lunch with beyonce i would feel so anxious that i like would it be cool enough or impress her enough i would feel comfortable wearing a swimsuit around taylor swift not these other celebrities i I don't know if i'd feel comfortable wearing a swimsuit by beyonce you know am i a bad enough bitch for beyonce but with taylor i know i can look not my best and she would still be like hey girl you look amazing so yeah that's how I feel about Taylor Swift. She said to the fans that night, you went through a considerable amount of effort to be here. I can't tell you how overwhelmed and overjoyed this makes me. We're going to be exploring the last 17 years of music that I've been lucky enough to make and you've been kind enough to care about. How humble and real is she? And not in that fake way that Selena Gomez is, like in that real way where she really is a kind, genuine person. So I think what we can learn from this is that no amount of success or achievements status followers whatever makes you better than anyone ever no amount of how good you look how expensive of clothes you have how many likes your instagram post just got how good your boobs look um how sexy you look today like nothing makes you better than the person next to you and remaining humble through all situations talking to all people even if you don't know who they are even if you don't know what they can offer you will take you so far You should remind yourself every day, even if you're having the most high rolling, amazing, like lucky baller day of your life, that I'm still not better than anyone. This doesn't make me better than anyone. This just makes me someone who is achieving a certain thing that I'm very thankful for. But at the end of the day, I am still going to treat everyone else as if we are on the same level because we always are. And I know you may be like, no, I think things do make people better than other people. If you look at it from that subjective way, you may think you're better than someone in a certain area or through a certain lens. But objectively, I don't think any human is better than any human. And the scent of someone who is so egotistical and talks down to people or like they don't have the time of day for someone who um, doesn't bring the same amount to the table that they do. They just reek. They kill the buzz. They're nasty. And you don't want to be around someone like that. So so I also think that success really... Uh, it comes to people who are humble and comes to people who can handle it. Or maybe I just think that because success only stays with people who are humble and don't feel the need to remind everyone how successful they are and can egotistically handle controlling themselves with the amount of success they have. If that makes sense. And not only that, but the amount of success you have doesn't mean that you can stop working hard or stop putting in effort to everything that you take on in life. You still have to wake up every day and re-earn your status and your place at the table every day. It's not guaranteed every day just because of your past successes. Because you see Taylor Swift out here so apologetic to the fans, so thankful for them that they still showed up and still support her after all of this, that she's going to perform 44 songs for over three hours and absolutely exhaust herself. But she knows she's that type of humble person that understands no matter what she did yesterday or no matter if these people loved her yesterday, she has to earn their respect, earn her success every single day when she wakes up if she wants to maintain that level because it's not just given every day based on past experiences. It's earned every single day success is definitely a mindset and a part of that mindset is humility and constant hard work 
Did you guys see the nasty headlines about me on TMZ this weekend? They were so defamatory and unprofessional, unethical, and evil and vile and extremely wicked. The t- the the uh, headline read, Petty Pop Culture gets escorted out of club. Petty Pop Culture seen thrown out of club, crying, screaming, rolling on the floor. Petty Pop Culture, so drunkenly under the influence, stumbles out of club into stranger's car. Such horrible headlines. I'm kidding. Obviously that didn't happen, but I was kicked out of the club this weekend. Can you believe the the audacity? <laughs> I got kicked out of the club. So this is what happens. I'm in this club in Chicago. It is a very large club. I'm not going to say the name of it to not dox myself or anyone else in this story. But I'm just having a great grand old time with a few of my pals from college, a bunch of my gay gal pals. It's a it's a pride fest in there. And I went to the bathroom literally just to make sure I looked hot in the mirror. Duh. Well, while I'm in a space that I know I'm being perceived by a lot of people, I need to look in the bathroom mirror just for a second to make sure what they're perceiving is in tip top shape. Do you know what I'm saying? If I'm alone, I don't give a fuck about a mirror. I don't have to look at it forever. But by people, ooh, I better need, I, I, I better know what they're looking at, you know? So I get out of the bathroom after giving myself a check before I wreck myself. I walk out and this guy yells my name and I turn around and it's a man that I used to talk to and it ended really bad. And it was my fault again. I feel like I'm always explaining to you guys how my relationships end and it's my fault. Maybe I'm the problem. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. But basically we talked in 2021 and we went on a few dates and it was going really good. One of the first guys I ever kissed Snapchatting all day. And he was almost my number one best friend on Snapchat. But I was talking to someone else at that time who I had such an overwhelming obsessive crush on. And I wanted that man to stay my number one on Snapchat because he was Snapchatting me back. And I guess it just felt so special that he would give me the reciprocal attention like that as if I was like so lucky and unworthy of it. I don't talk to that guy anymore. He's the guy I was talking about a few weeks ago that was sexting me three weeks before he hard launched his boyfriend who looks like me. Anyway. So when this other boy who I was talking to almost took over my first number one spot on Snapchat, I was really panicked that I would lose the gold heart with the guy I was obsessed with. So I just deleted him off Snapchat. (laughs) That is so not normal. That sounds like that TikTok trends where people are like, let me tell you what my ex did that wasn't normal or things that I did when I had a crush on someone that wasn't normal. It was, it's just so not normal for me to do that, but I did. And at the time, I felt like that was logical thinking. So I was like, oh, let me simply unadd him. And then <laughs> I was like, no, he can't take over my number one spot. Ah, unadd. And then I re-added him back. But that way, he would go like all the way back down to my like nothing. And he wouldn't be almost on my best friends list or anything like that. We lost our streak, whatever. And so when I did that, he got really upset. He was like, why would you do that? What's the problem? And I was like, oh, it was an accident. I didn't mean to unadd you. Clearly, it was not an accident. So he got really mad and we got in a fight and we just didn't talk after that. Good for him. He really kicked me to the curb at the first red flag. I've changed since then, y'all. But I've seen him at the club multiple times. We've almost been like dancing really close together, bumping into each other. But we just are really committed to not talking to each other or not even looking at each other. But this time, I guess he just wanted to talk to me. So he yells my name and I go stand by the bathroom to talk to him for a while. We're talking for a while, but he's kind of like cornering me in this bathroom. So I feel like I can't move. And I don't want to leave him again because I already feel a guilty conscious for what I did to him in the past. So I just stand by him in the bathroom and give him a conversation. 
But the worker comes over at this bar and he's like, hey, you guys have to move away from the bathroom if you're not going to use it. And I go, okay, I'm thinking about using it. But I wasn't thinking about using it. I was just being annoying. And I say to this man who I used to talk to, I was like, hey, maybe we should move. And he was like, wait, let's just like not move and just keep talking here. And I'm like, okay, you know what? You're probably right because I have poppers and I want to do them and I don't want to be seen doing them in front of a bunch of people. Poppers, if you don't know, it's like not really a drug, but it's an inhalant that a lot of gay people do that they come in a little bottle that you can literally buy next door to the club. But you can't go up to the cash register and say you want poppers. You have to go up to the cash register and say, can I have cleaners? And then they'll show you the options in a kind of discreet but not discreet at all kind of way. Like they're in a case where you can see, but you just can't say them. So I say, okay, I have poppers and I want to do them. So let's just do them right now. So I pull them out. I pass them around. We all do them. And then the worker comes out of nowhere and he's like, hey, you can't do those in here. Um now I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And he's looking at me because he knows that they're mine. And I get mad in this moment. And I go, excuse me, there was no warning sign here. (laughs) And in my head, I'm like, this is a gay safe space. And you can't do a gay thing like poppers in here. That is so fucked up. Where else are you supposed to do them? Gay on gay crime. Friendly fire. The call is coming from inside the house. Very fucked up is what I thought. So I said, okay, well, there's no warning and i literally bought them next door if you don't want me to do them in here why are they next door don't sell them to me then and i'm giving this man so much sass and he's like okay you can't talk to me like that now you really have to go and so i'm like fine and i start speed walking fully strutting away from him make a sharp turn go upstairs take a left take a right go to a different room take another left and unbeknownst to me i was like no way this old fart is chasing me right now and i turn around and he's fully following me And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Now you definitely got to go. And then he kicks me out. He like escorts me out of the bar in front of everyone. Like I'm fully getting my Lindsay Lohan in a mess 2007. Did you just call Paris a cunt moment with the paparazzi outside of the bar? It was so embarrassing. Just that shameful walk of shame out of the bar. I guess I deserved it, but in the moment I was already heated just given the context of my conversation that I'm having with this guy. Um, But yeah, so I got kicked out. I also got the guy I was talking to kicked out and then he had his current boyfriend there and his current boyfriend got mad because he got kicked out with me. So he was like, why are we talking to him? Like, you got kicked out. We're not even spending time together. I was just causing a whole bunch of fights this weekend. But it was for the plot and I guess next time I do poppers there, I just won't get caught. So what can we learn from this? Gay people are just as evil as straight people. Someone else who was in a club this weekend with um something that should be illegal is Bad Bunny was in a club with Kendall Jenner. And they were seen kissing inside this club, getting all close, canoodling. And this is like the 17th time they've been seen together. They've been seen on a double date with Justin Bieber and Hailey Bieber, aka Mr. and Miss Satan, according to the false narrative that is being spread by the Selenators. They've been seen at the Vanity Fair party and just out all over the place. And now it is officially confirmed by E! News that they are dating. Kendall Jenner and Bad Bunny are dating. No puedo creerlo. Por qué? Uh, no estaba con ser. Believe it. I cannot believe it. So fucking unexpected. Chris Jenner was really like, Kendall, sweetie, you're going to have to take one for the team and date a very famous man who uh, is a little bit reckless, has a horrible temper, and would make amazing TV. And that's Bad Bunny. So I feel like this was maybe arranged. Will this damage Bad Bunny's career now that they're officially dating? Probably. Probably. I already see people starting a hate campaign in comment sections on TikTok. Because you know how annoying TikTokers do that? The annoying locals with no profile photo and our user 3124-7836-0012 who just comment the most annoying shit or have a profile photo that is just ice spice they're all commenting who is bad bunny under any post about bad bunny right now as their bullying smear campaign i kind of agree with them though i do think this is a really bad pr move by bad bunny and you think he would have good pr if he's from pr from puerto rico but he doesn't have good pr he is with someone who has profited off of 
appropriating Mexican culture and has been a part of a family who has profited off of appropriating culture from multiple cultures of people of color to appropriate and then use for their own benefit, likeness, appearance, clout, whatever. So this looks bad for Bad Bunny and just everything that he stands for truly. And guess what? Apparently he's team mean girl. (laughs) No denying that now. He's not one of those people who are following Selena Gomez out of the blue and saying that they've always supported her, even though they haven't. He has no choice but to be team mean girl. And that alone is enough to get your ass sent to the electric chair these days. Is Kendall Jenner just dating him to be his plus one at the Met Gala? (laughs) Because none of the Kardashians are invited this year. Kendall would be really smart for that. I would respect that. And a Wintour would be livid because you know she's going to invite Bad Bunny. And I do love Bad Bunny and I think he's sexy and smart and so talented. But this move just doesn't look the best for him. And not only that, but now Bad Bunny is getting all messy and fighting for Kendall Jenner. That is so wild. Like, I would never fight for Kendall Jenner. Like, those commercials that say, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Literally nothing. Those Klondike bars are fucking gross. What would you do for Kendall Jenner? Literally nothing. I would not be fighting for her like this. But Kendall is getting to his mind with her Punani or something. And he has a new song out where he's featured on. And Bad Bunny sings. This is translated, by the way. He sings, I'm not bad, baby. That's a gimmick. But the sun in Puerto Rico is hotter than it is in Phoenix. And she knows that. And guess what? That's where he's from. And then Kendall Jenner's ex, Devin Booker, is from Phoenix, Arizona. So he's saying the sun is hotter where I live. And what he also is probably saying is that the pines are mas largo y gordo in Puerto Rico and not Arizona. He, and Bad Bunny is so hot. I love when he does those like scantily little slutty posts on his Instagram where he's covering his junk with like a little moist towelette. I love his Instagram. I think he's so fierce and definitely a little bit fruity if I had to guess. Like if I if I had to if I saw him at a gig club or really out anywhere, I wouldn't be scared that if I hit on him he would knock me out. You know? I think I might have a shot with him. So the gag is, is that he didn't stop there. He kept talking about Kendall in this song saying Scorpio women are dangerous. Guess who's a Scorpio? Kendall Jenner. And you know how she's dangerous because she is so messy and ignorant that she could take down your whole brand in five seconds. That's why she's dangerous. Just ask Chris Jenner with all the damage control she had to do. Just ask Pepsi. And then the bigger gag is that Devin Booker is in on this whole thing and now he's fighting Bad Bunny back. Kendall Jenner is really having her bachelorette telenovela fantasy with all of these men fighting over her. But Devin Booker commented on a post that was discussing Bad Bunny's new song. And Devin Booker said, quote, he worried about another man again. And he put man in all caps. See, now that to me has undercoatings of homophobia in it, that he capitalized man because Bad Bunny is very accepting and uh, loud with his acceptance of the LGBT and is a big ally. He's dressed in drag and will openly attend gay events and mingle with gay people, which you would think isn't the bravest, most Navy SEAL thing of him to do. But with a lot of these straight homophobic men out here, it really is. So the fact that he said he's worried about another man, again, like, as if he's insinuating that Bad Bunny is obsessing over another man and not the girl that he's with. I don't know. Maybe what he's saying is that he should just be worried about Kendall and not talk about her ex. Like, don't feel intimidated by me. Maybe that's what he's saying. But the fact that he capitalized man and didn't say, like, worried about her ex or anything. I don't know. I'm very weary. So, yeah. They're officially dating and maybe that has Kendall all excited that has Devin Booker's panties in a bunch and Bad Bunny is just getting a little messy. Maybe Chris Jenner put something in his drink to really start stirring up the controversy with him. She's stirring the teacup to get him in the sunken place for the Kardashian curse because as we know, the Kardashian curse gets a lot of people. I made a whole TikTok about it. The Kardashian curse really gets all the men. So 
We'll see where that goes. Someone else who's dating right now and their relationship is progressing is Tyga and Avril Lavigne. Tyga, OnlyFans star extraordinaire. Womp, womp, womp. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. He just bought Avril Lavigne an $80,000 diamond necklace chain. Like the chain that rappers have. I think those chains are so sexy. I want one. That is the biggest flex of all time. When Megan Lee Stallion said, big ass chain around my neck so these dudes know I'm rich. And I don't eat shit but the dick. Big ass stack in this Birkin so these know I'm working. I'm holding this Glock in my Birkin. I want a chain. Chain ain't making no noise, ain't big enough. Wildin' on a boat on an island. When I throw it back, gotta make them throw the towel in. I want a chain. I think they're so... Like, almost shamelessly, like, flexing. I think they're so cool. I shouldn't think they're cool because that's kind of embarrassing at the same time that you want everyone to know you're rich that bad, but at the same time, such a slay. Her chain says Avril with some pink hearts on it. It should probably say Melissa because we know she's dead and was swapped with the body double. But he's helping her keep the secret going along with it. They're even matching with twinning outfits. And it really looks like this could last more than two months for them. I was going to give them two months at first. Maybe I'll give them four months at first. But once upon a time in Hollywood, these relationships do not last. So at least she's getting a chain out of it. She fuck me good. She might get a chain. Oh my God, Tyga said that in his song. All these lyrics about chains are just coming to my mind. In one of Tyga's songs, he said, Let's play a game, cash or the fame. She fucks me good. She might get a chain. Wow. I guess we know what Avril's doing. She's doing him good. People who are not dating are Sean Mendes and Sabrina Carpenter. Sean went on to confirm this weekend that they are not dating. <laughs> hey, people. He flamboyantly confirmed that they are not dating this weekend. And good for them. Maybe they're just besties. Maybe she's just, maybe he's just her GBF. I don't know. Sabrina also kissed Charlie Puth in a video this week because she's putting out a song with Charlie Puth. I would never kiss Charlie Puth. We know how I feel about him. That man needs his internet access taken away from him with the nasty photos of himself that he puts online, pouring milk all over himself and almost showing his booty crack. He just puts himself in the most scary exorcism-y positions that he thinks are hot or suggestive and slightly arousing that just aren't and i wish he would be put under a conservatorship but she kissed him in a music video this weekend maybe sabrina carpenter is just a professional beard she's a bigger beard than duck dynasty you know who sabrina carpenter also used to date joshua bassett and joshua bassett has come out as bisexual good for him i love that for him so hot he's cute would maybe French kiss him, but that's it. He's not really my type. Even though he kind of looks like me. I'm kind of knocking myself right now. Also, a lot of people who listen to this podcast said that they thought I was black when they were listening to it. I've gotten multiple comments about that this week. Saying that the whole time they were listening, they thought I was black and they just found out that I was white. What? Where? When? And how? When have I ever hinted at that? Or made it seem like that? What did I say? I did not mean to send out that. Like, I, I hope you guys don't think that I was trying to construct that perception of myself or make myself seem racially ambiguous in any way. I thought I was always very open and honest and clear that I am just a crusty, dusty white boy. Never wanted to make any confusion there. Even last episode, I was talking about how the Oscars would probably just give me an Oscar for being white because of their racist past. Not that I condone that behavior or that past of theirs, but I truly thought it was clear that I was white the whole time. So I'm glad I can clear that up right now. So yeah, I unfortunately look like Joshua Bessette and he scares me because right after he came out as bisexual last year, when he said that he thought Harry Styles was hot, he suddenly turned to Jesus out of nowhere, almost as if he was like sought after by a group of people trying to save him or cultivated or indoctrinated by a group of people suddenly to get on board with the whole Jesus thing. And 
ever since then, all he's been talking about is church and God and his savior, Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. He accepted an award at the Kids' Choice Awards, which, by the way, that's fine and everything, and I support that. But I think what he did at the Kids' Choice Awards was a little odd because think about it. That award show is for people from the ages of 6 to 12. I don't think it's right to push such intense intense preaching onto a child unless you are their parents and you can directly raise your kids how you would like to. I think that's wonderful and fine. But if you are someone else preaching to kids about religion on a mass scale like that, unprovoked, unwarranted, I think is a little bit odd. At the Kids' Choice Awards, Joshua Bissett won an award for High School Musical, the Musical, the Series. And he said, instead of just saying, like, thanks, kids, uh, la-di-da-da-da, hunky-dory, and then get slimed and walk off the stage like a normal person does at the Kids' Choice Awards, he said, I would like to thank my Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people here who have been burdened, brokenhearted, and broken down by life. For those of you who have lost hope, there's a very real God who loves you more than you will ever possibly know. His promise is peace, and my testimony is my healing. Remember, forgive quickly, love freely, walk courageously. Love will always win in the end. Did he forget he's talking to 6 to 13-year-olds? They, the only thing they've been beaten down by on life is when they step on a Lego or there's no more Capri Suns in the fridge. And what does he mean his testimony is my healing. He hasn't talked about being bisexual ever since then. So I just hope nothing happened to him and I hope he's okay. It reminds me of that song on Olivia Rodrigo's album where she says, like, I hope you're okay. And evil people in life haven't gotten to you or beat you down. I really hope he's okay. And I think love will win in the end. And he could be going down a really great path in life and being totally safe and in a great mental state and that would be amazing but i don't think he should have done that at the kids choice words i'm sorry if you think he should have i don't Amanda, please. I love saying that. <laughs> Amanda, please. Amanda Bynes is at it again. She's doing what Amanda Bynes does best, and that is make headlines for her behavior that people then like to tear her down for. And it's been really bad news for the child star sphere this week, but especially with Amanda Bynes, because she is being put in a psychiatric hold again for being found walking around somewhere in New York completely naked by herself and apparently up to the same shenanigans that she used to be. This was right after her conservatorship was lifted. So now everyone is saying, oh my God, oh no, is she going to be put back under her conservatorship? This was the worst time for her to fuck up in the worst way. And we just need to talk about the whole thing. So if you don't know, Amanda Bynes is a really famous and maybe one of the most notable child actors stars of all time she was on the amanda show yeah she had her own show out here as if she was ellen degeneres at the time that she was like 12 years old running laps around people in life these 80 year olds in life she was already running laps around them saying see you suckers try again next time bitch she was really running the fucking game out there. A young girl boss. Not even a woman boss. She was like a child. She was a girl boss. That's who Amanda Bynes is. She was in a lot of other things. Um, He's the Man, Hairspray, many movies and iconic films. Now, Amanda Bynes, she did not have an easy life. You think, you know, we would all want to be like her. We all want to be super girl, super cool, super hot, living like a rock star. Super, 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 super on the cover of your magazines. Wherever I go, they make a scene. So you want to be just like, so you want to be just like, think you want to be just like me. Everybody's watching me. It's never as easy as it seems. 
to be super, super, to be super, super girl. We all think we want to be super girl like Amanda Bynes, but she's really just an ordinary girl. Sometimes she's angry. She gets bored. She hits a bong. She feels ignored. She's an ordinary girl. And her parents forced her to start working by the time she was six in commercials. And then she was thrust into the Nickelodeon life by the time that she was seven because Dan Schneider found her and like took her under his gross wing or under his foot, whatever he likes to put people under. He took her under his wing and she was like his golden child. And he immediately thrust her into the creative projects that he would work on. Now, Amanda Bynes' parents, while they were maybe trying to set her up for a career in life, they did not really look after her the way that they should. A lot of people think that they were just after this lifestyle because they thought they had a cute and funny daughter who could make them a lot of money. So they were just exploiting her fully and not really looking after her on the set of these shows because there was a lot of rumors out there that Dan Schneider was actually abusing her behind the scenes of her Nickelodeon shows and that he would be way too touchy and possessive over her and be hovering over her all day and ask her to wear certain things and wear open-toed shoes. And there was just way too many scenes of them in a hot tub together that was played off as a cute little skit on The Amanda Show, but it was really just creepy. Anyways, we're going to get more into the Dan Schneider thing, but after years of having so much pressure on her, working so hard, providing for her family as a child, and then achieving mainstream massive movie star success as a grown woman, this bombshell who was in all these amazing films... Her life was perfect, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, she had maybe the biggest breakdown of all time. And you probably remember, but let's just go through some of her um, unfortunate breakdown moments that she had. This all started in 2012. Let me go see how old she was when this started. Amanda Bynes' age. So, she was born in 86. So, in 2012, that would make her... 26 wow she held us together for kind of a long time i'll probably have a breakdown before i'm 26 don't worry but starting in 2012 she was arrested for a dui after she skid a cop car coming home very late at night and people were like okay that's obviously not a good sign but maybe her blood alcohol level was just a little bit over 0.08 but that was definitely the first warning sign and then she had two other hit and runs in 2012. And we're like, okay, we, we see a pattern. Her drug consumption and driving habits are clearly not aligning. Then in November 2012, things got really bad because she was seen walking around a New York tanning salon fully naked and not in her tanning bed, like where everyone else was just walking around all the bits and goodies out. 2013, she was arrested for reckless endangerment and marijuana possession when she was hitting a bong in her apartment in New York and then decided to throw it out the window. God knows how many stories she was up, but obviously, if you throw anything like that out the window, it can hit whoever. An old lady, a kid, a dog, Haley Bieber, Selena Gomez. We don't want that. We don't want it to hit Haley Bieber. Okay? <laughs> So who knows who that could have hit? And I agree. She definitely deserved some repercussions for that. In 23, she also started a random fire on one of um, someone on her block's driveway just for no reason. She put wood there, got a bunch of like newspaper, crumbled it up and just started a fire on their driveway and walked away. So she went to jail for that. She was then given a lot of hours of community service and alcohol classes she was doing good for a while there in 2013. And then again in 2014, she was booked for another DUI and she was convicted of reckless driving for the same incident. And she was then sent to three years of probation and three months of alcohol education classes. 2014 was like the real downfall of her. This is when she was wearing those colorful wigs that were from Party City that who God knows why she was wearing them. They weren't even on correctly. I think they were just too be some like character or bit that she was making up in her mind and she was maybe playing with the media a little bit she was like yeah they already think i'm crazy and i'm acting a little crazy so let's just really make them think i'm crazy kind of legendary iconic 
it girl behavior. If you ask me, her mugshots were constantly exciting and changing. I mean, who has more versatility than, than that? Not Paris Hilton. All her mugshots were the same. So anyway, in 2014, she was also caught just speaking to inanimate objects out in public and like panicking to them. Um, I don't know. Maybe she thought they were her, her therapist wanting to tell all her secrets to them. Then in 2014 is when her Twitter debacle happened. And this needs to be its own segment in itself because I'm sorry. I know these tweets are awful, but they're also amazing. And I thoroughly have an amazing time reading these tweets. So let's get into the segment called Amanda Bynes Legendary Tweets. She shaped Twitter. Twitter literally owes her. Elon Musk owes her $44 billion for making Twitter as iconic as it was with these tweets. So she tweeted at Rihanna. You look so ugly trying to be white. <laughs> this one's actually not like funny at all. She said, at Rihanna, Chris Brown beat you because you're so not pretty enough. Rihanna then responded. She said, look who came to see me. My lover, Stella McCartney. Amanda responded, no one wants to be your lover. So you can call everyone and their mother that I almost named my dog, Rihanna. Rihanna responded and said, you see what happens when they cancel intervention? (laughs) Rihanna was so funny on Twitter back in the day. She really lost that touch. Then Amanda said, unlike your fugly-faced self, I don't do drugs. You need the intervention, dog. I met your ugly face in person. You aren't pretty. You know it. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) She was obsessed with being pretty during this time. Like, that was her main goal of life, to be gorgeous. And yeah, I totally understand. That's also my kind of main goal of life, being a pretty bitch who doesn't have to do anything. But she was like obsessively obsessed. She was telling everyone who was pretty and who was not. She was the pretty police. And if you weren't pretty, Amanda Bynes was going to give you some sort of sentencing on Twitter or punishment on Twitter. Wild. Then she tweeted, this maybe is the most iconic tweet of all time, what I'm about to read. Quote, I want Drake to murder my vagina. And this was like, just hold on. We're going home, Drake. Drake was not murdering anyone's vagina back then. Drake was getting murdered by people's vaginas back then. Then Amanda Bynes said on Twitter, if you could block people in person, that would be great. That's why I feel pretty. It goes against my religion to follow an ugly person. I only follow a person I find beautiful. I'm so rude. Um, then she tweets, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama are ugly. <laughs> They're not. They're actually both very gorgeous. We all know Barack Obama is one of the top five hottest presidents of all time. So that's just not true. So those tweets were kind of entertaining, but still awful. Then she gets into the really awful tweets about her dad, saying that he abused her, not only exploited her for money and fame, but he totally abused her. She said, the police filed a report against my dad. I am not able to be in the same room with him. He is a sexual predator and he should be in jail. This was in 2014 when she was really having a downward spiral. She continued and said, he called me ugly as a child. Oh, so that's why she wants to be pretty now. Clearly she has a complex that's coming out. She continued and then asked me if I wanted to have sex with him and I did not know how to respond. And I said, no, I was forced to live with my dad, which was a total nightmare. By the way, I'm reading them how she typed them. They don't all make sense. She continues, my mom knows that my father is literally and physically incestual towards his own daughter and the fact that she never called the police on him embarrasses me to no end. My dad was verbally and physically abusive towards me. My dad fondled himself in front of me so many times that I started recording him on my phone in hopes of catching him, saying or doing something inappropriate around me so I could get him arrested and put in jail for the rest of his perverted life. Then she takes it all back and says, everything I just tweeted about my dad was completely not true. Now, Amanda Bynes was clearly on substances at this time. There's really no denying it. This mental breakdown seems to be the result of drug abuse, maybe with prior mental illness as well. And honestly, if all these horrible things happened to her, it would make sense if she did have a very bad mental illness or a lot of trauma that would then cause her to want to turn to drugs and do all of these things so even though amanda said that her dad did not abuse her there was a huge conspiracy theory online this year that it was actually dan schneider that abused her but she didn't want to expose him directly online so she just put that it was her dad 
But all those things that she was saying he was doing, like fondling himself in front of her, was the work of Dan Schneider. Now, one of the craziest things that almost confirmed that Dan Schneider and his creepy kid and foot obsessed ways was actually the one that traumatized Amanda Bynes is that there was someone who used to work very close with Nickelodeon who uploaded a blind item to a very public famous website one day and told the world basically what happened but in a coded way so their message was last night after the news broke about a certain producer an actress all of you know who knows the producer as well as anyone sent me this and it seems to be typed directly by amanda Bynes, but her friend who used to work on the show sent it to the site this is what amanda said thank you for all your ongoing support i don't know how any of these men sleep at night but if there's one thing that I do know is that in what is that what's done in the dark always comes to light. XOXO. Now, that seems like a normal message. But if you look at all the capitalized letters that are randomly capitalized in this sentence, it spells out, Dan did it. Yeah. So it seems like Amanda is trying to spread a very direct but not direct so she can't be sued or anything. Maybe she had to sign things on behalf of Dan. But it seems like she's trying to expose that Dan is the one that actually assaulted her and could have led to some kind of mental breakdown. Because I definitely would if I went through what Dan could have potentially done to her. There was even crazy rumors that he got her pregnant or really um, assaulted her. Those are obviously not confirmed. Those are alleged rumors. But the whole Dan Schneider situation just get worse and worse every year as more comes out about him. And now there's a whole community and a group that protests outside the Nickelodeon headquarters about Dan Schneider and just the poor treatment of kids on their sets. And I think that's for the best because a lot of people who work with Dan, including Jeanette, McCur- Jeanette McCurdy and Josh Peck, don't have the best things to say about him. And I hope he didn't do anything that bad to Amanda. But moving forward... All of her tweets and everything I just talked about in 2014, unfortunately, were all so bad that it got her under a conservatorship, just like Britney Spears. In the court documents, they were saying that Amanda was spending large amounts of money that were put in her savings, and it has been reported that she has recently made extensive purchases, like from jewelry stores, like Cartier, and from strangers. So who knows what she was buying from strangers. And then her mother was tasked with being her conservator and overseeing her daughter's estate, which was valued at $5 million in 2014. Just days after becoming her conservator, she requested to transfer control to a medical health professional and money manager. But apparently she never actually transferred the control to a money manager, and her parents were actually buying themselves houses and spending her money in really irresponsible ways. That just goes back to the whole thing that they were trying to exploit their daughter from day one. Fast forwarding to 2018, it seems like the conservatorship helped her because she was really on her best behavior ever since then. Nothing else was really going wrong. Conservatorships seem like an evil thing, but in some cases, I think they are needed, at least temporarily. If someone just has so much to lose, I could definitely defend getting a temporary one. But Amanda's was unfortunately turned from a one-year temporary conservatorship to a permanent conservatorship where her parents were her conservators. And apparently they were buying houses and doing really irresponsible things with her money. So it just seems very fucked up. But in 2018, it was really looking good. She was doing interviews again, maybe wanting to get back into acting. And she was confessing to past drug abuse and reflecting on everything that happened with her breakdown and saying how she's better now. In 2020, she got engaged to her fiance, Michael, which is so lovely and amazing. And since her life was going so great, she seemed very autonomous. In 2022, she filed to end her conservatorship. And guess what? She did get to end it. Probably because in relation to the Free Britney movement, the court didn't want to go through such a major public fiasco. And they were like, fine, you can just end it. We don't need that mess over here. So her parents were totally on board with ending the conservatorship and letting her be herself again. And on March 22nd, 2022, she was fully in control of her own estate and life again which was amazing and it was just deemed as quote no longer required love that 
So, you know, she's engaged. She might work again. Independent. Amazing. And now, in 2022, things were going bad again. Damn it. After almost a decade of being fine, things are now going bad again. In 2022 of July, she was tweeting crazy things about her fiancé, Michael, like that he was doing crack cocaine in front of her and looking at mom and son porn. She was tweeting that about her fiancé. Now, I've heard that step family corn is popular in some regions of the nation, <clears throat> Alabama, Mississippi. But it seems like she is saying that he is fully incestual and then doing crack cocaine. Not something you'd want your fiance to say before you say vows to them like you're going to love them for better or for worse. Because I think this is worse than worse. I don't think for better or worse includes that. So they broke up. They called off their engagement, sadly, and then Amanda said she wanted to go to cosmetology school to become a manicurist. Girl, what? You're a millionaire and you want to be scrubbing people's fingernails? The, like, with all the dirty shit that they get under there, you want to be all up in that? Their nail gunk? No. Insane behavior. Put her back under the conservatorship before she does that. Wild. And now, in 2023... It was revealed again that she was put under another psychiatric hold in Los Angeles after she was discovered wandering the streets naked. And this was this week. So I'm very, very sad for her. Her on and her on again, off again fiance Michael told the world that she was off of her meds in a quote to page six. Kind of seems like a shady thing to say, but that's what's going on with her nowadays. So it seems like maybe life without the conservatorship is not working out very well for her. I still feel immensely for her. I'm not saying anything is her fault. Clearly she deals with mental illness and she could be experiencing psychosis. She seems smart for getting herself help and like allowing herself to be put under the psychiatric hold so quickly into an incident like that. And hopefully him saying that she, she was off her meds mean that she's back on them now and I do have a lot of sympathy for her. And she's been so good for so long. I know she can regain that. And I hope it just doesn't result in her actually being back under the conservatorship. Because I know I joke about it, but I really don't want that for her. A lot of people were tweeting their support for her, saying things like, one of my legendary childhood queens that raised me, Miss Amanda Bynes, um, is a queen. And she is my good sis and extremely talented, funny AF. Give her the love and recognition she deserves. Someone else said, this breaks my heart. Amanda Bynes gave us so much. We love Amanda Bynes and she's going to pull through. All of this stuff. And people are blaming Jen Schneider and her parents and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's all very, very sad. And I wish her the best. And I hope this is not an early sign of another long series of unfortunate events. And just a reminder that no matter how long it took to rebuild it for years and years... It could all slip away in just one moment if you slip up. And I hope Amanda is going to be back on her own two feet again. And I really believe that she will. So what can we learn from this? I think we can learn that true happiness doesn't come from success or monetary gains. It comes from happiness and love within yourself with the people around you and connections that you make that are genuine and fulfilling. Amanda was around awful people her whole life from Dan Schneider to her parents to people she was hanging out with, partying with, doing drugs with. Just her whole circle was awful, but she had all the money and success and the fame that anyone could possibly want. But clearly she was trying to numb something with everything that she was doing and go about her healing in the complete most wrong way. So I think it's unfortunate that she spent her young years trying to numb those feelings while spending a lot of her day making money and becoming rich and famous. I think instead we should be spending our young years trying to get our not trying to build up our success or status, but trying to build up our happiness bank and meeting a bunch of people that will make us happy, um, keeping the people who do make you happy, losing the people who do not make you happy, keeping the things or the major or the job or the hobbies that make you happy and losing the ones that don't. Even if certain people are good for your status, the job is good for your status, I think we should be worried about building up our happiness bank instead of our actual bank through our whole life and happiness shouldn't be looked for in substances or getting attention because think about it if something goes wrong in your life 
something horrible, wrong, and disastrous, and then you look around and you have no one that you can truly confide in or that loves you or wants the best for you, obviously you're going to turn to something that isn't a person and could be very damaging or detrimental. But if you've spent your life gathering a bunch of people and things and helping coping, helpful coping mechanisms and really healthy people to be around, if something goes wrong that's horrible, you have a lot of people and amazing habits to fall back on instead of spiraling like that so unfortunately amanda Bynes didn't get that luxury of building that life for herself because she was so controlled from day one but we do well thank you guys for joining me at pop culture university today i hope y'all enjoyed today's class um i love shooting the shit with you guys every single time i get on this mic i truly and genuinely look forward to it especially when like we're dming all week and you're like oh i hope you talk about this and then this and then that and then i'm like oh okay let me give them what they want you know i'm in business i'll give them exactly what they want so i hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast lately and loving being enrolled here at pop culture university i want to do a new segment soon where i give out awards every friday so like the award would basically be for a celebrity that's a very irreverent, not serious award that is kind of just making fun of them, like the the fakey McFaker, fake bitch of the week, or or the trifling hoe cunt of the month, something like that. I want to like introduce awards or superlatives. We can call them because it's a class. I want to give out superlatives every week. So DM me ideas for a funny superlative that you think I could give out to celebrities, and what you think about the segment. Again, DM me your tea for the. What would you like to share with the class segment? I would love to have you as the next feature on it where I tell the whole class, one of the listeners, personal drama that we can all point at and make fun of and just share in our horrible experiences together. But yeah, until Friday, I'll try not to get in any more trouble when I go out or cause another fight or get canceled online. And honestly, I encourage y'all to do the same because my soul cannot handle any more drama. I need some peace and quiet for a few weeks and only good vibes. So try to behave this week, class, and I will see you on Friday. Rate this podcast five stars, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You're already here. You may as well do so. Leave a cute little review. I love reading them. Screenshot yourself. Listen to it. Post it to your Instagram story and tag me and I will hit you up. Tuesday, Friday class attendance is mandatory. And yeah, this is your zesty professor saying bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. The following is a message from the future sent by Jamie from Progressive. Back in 2023, you could get help from Progressive Online through our mobile app or over the phone. But here, in the future, we can communicate with you through telepathy. Now, I don't think anyone in 2023 has mastered telepathy yet. But if you have, then you can totally read my thoughts right now. And yes, I did leave the oven on. Wow, you're good at this. That was a message from the future. Get the help you need today with Progressive. Do you smell smoke? I really should go. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple spotify youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts go astros